The church in Galatia was born out of a beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit. The powerful and potent preaching of the good news of Jesus birthed a movement among the Galatians. But shortly after the Apostle Paul left, the church was hit with a crisis. The church had been infiltrated by a poisonous and convincing idea. Faith in Jesus was not enough. Instead of resting upon the completed work of Jesus, the Galatians began to believe they needed to affiliate with the right tribe of Christians, which meant they had to add to the equation. It was Jesus plus fulfilling the law, Jesus plus religious affiliation, Jesus plus sacred traditions. And if we're not careful, we too can heretically add to the gospel in the name of our own theological tribalism. But adding to the gospel only subtracts from it being the good news. There is only one equation we need. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. What is up, Rise City Church? Hey, uh, my name's Scott, if you don't know me, and uh, me and my wife and my kids have all been here since like about year three. It's so exciting that we're hitting year nine. And uh, if you're hearing me, you've been around Rise for like a little while, and I don't look familiar, but I kind of sound familiar. Let me take you back about 14, 15 months. So it was coming up to my wife's 39th birthday, and then I was thinking forward to the next year, like her 40th. We got to do something cool. We got to do something special. We got to do something fun. And, And so I proposed this idea of let's throw an 80s prom night. And she was super stoked on the idea, let's do that. So then I start growing my hair out for over a year. So then it comes back to like this last November, December, her her birthday's coming up, and the day of the party, this 80s prom is coming up. And but but right before this, this is what my hair looks like, all grown out, like <laughs> So, so if, if you've been around for a little while, like the last time I preached back in November, this is what I look like. And legit, like since I look like this now, people won't actually recognize me sometimes. Uh, like I start talking to them and then they recognize my voice and like, what is going on? Because that's what I looked like not that long ago. But it gets cool because like the night of the party comes and I get my hair cut and get a vintage tuxedo and I look like this with the cross earring and everything. <laughs> and we had a blast. It was an awesome party, awesome celebration of my wife. Uh, and then I, I show up to work. I'm still rocking the mullet for like a little bit. And my buddy's like, dude, we got this safety thing. There's going to be a hundred people there at work. Like you got to show up dressed up. And so I show up to the safety thing like this. <laughs> Uh, my wife found me that shirt at Goodwill, like had like borrowed the pit vipers. It was a blast. And then I was like, I'm just going to like roll the mustache for a little while. Be like a little more clean, like cut, roll the mustache. But then eating got really hard. And so I was like, I'm over this. I'm done. Uh, so in like the course of like a couple of months, these like massive shifts had ha- have like happened in just my appearance. And, and you know, I, I say that mostly because people legit won't recognize me. And, and like, let's just address that. But 
But, but this is actually where we're at in Galatians 2. Be, because in chapters 1 through 4, we've been setting a theological foundation that it's not by works. But there's going to be a really big shift in this chapter that, that leads into the rest of the book. That, that there's this massive shift from, okay, this is what we don't do and what we turn away from. But what does it look like now to actually live with Christ? To, to walk with him in light of that theological foundation? And so we're going to be open up to Galatians chapter 5, but, but before we do that, would you just pray with me? God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to be one of us, to live the life we couldn't live and to die the death we ought to have died. God, we, we thank you that you have bestowed your love upon us and that by no work that we do that we can be saved, but purely by faith in the work of Jesus. God, I pray this morning that that would be clear, that you would open our eyes to see your word and to see who you are and what you've done to rescue us and how we live in light of that. God, we, we pray this all in Jesus' name and his blood poured out for us on that cross. Amen. All right, Galatians chapter five starts off. It says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Right? It's obvious if someone sets you free from something, it's for the purpose of you remaining free. And so Paul's reminding us like, hey, let's not go back to the slavery. Right? Let's not go back to this. But one of the things, if you're somewhat familiar with the gospel, if you're, you're familiar with this idea that we are all sinners deserving of death, and that Jesus came in and took death on our behalf, you, we, we might assume that when he says, hey, don't, don't become a slave to this, we might think, oh, well, a slave to sin and death, right? Or don't, don't like, go back to sin and death. And while that is true, that he has freed us from sin and death, that, that's not what Paul's getting at. Paul is actually getting at this idea of you've been freed from the requirements of the law. The, the, these Old Testament laws of like, well, you have to do this and this and this and this type of thing. Paul's telling us like, hey, we've been freed from that and we see it in the whole context of Galatians. And what he's saying is like, don't be yoked by this. Like this yoke, this thing that would tie two oxen together. Don't put your head under the one side because under the other side is the law and it will drag you down and it will break your neck. Like we, you've been set free. Let's not walk back into that. And he continues, verse two. Behold, I, Paul, say to you that if you receive circumcision, Christ will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. Okay, first of all, we, we got to just, just like the awkward part of this, right? The, this whole thing about circumcision. If you're new to the church, like this is like your first time in or haven't been, you're like, why is he talking about circumcision? That's kind of weird, right? It, it actually goes back to a, a history with the Jews, like a couple thousand years before Christ. And, and there's this guy, Abraham, and God calls him. And he says, hey, Abraham, get up. I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave this land. I want you to leave everything that you know. And I'm going to show you another land. And I'm going to give you that land. And you're going to go there. And you know what? I'm going to bless you. And I'm going to bless your kids. And I'm going to bless your kids' as kids. And actually through your offspring, 
there's going to be a son that's going to be born that will bless all the nations of the earth. And one of the signs, the sign that he gave to Abraham was circumcision. And there's a lot more to it than this, but, but the reason why there's a sign that's part of like a reproductive organ is because it's about the inheritance and the offspring. That it would be a sign that points towards that there's going to be a son that comes that is going to actually free the nations. And so that it would be through this bloodline, through this family, that Jesus would show up on the scene. So this is why he's dealing with that. But then it begs this question because it seems like Paul is denigrating circumcision. That seems like a pretty cool thing. Like there's this sign about blessing that's coming. And he says things like, I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. But the reason why circumcision is not the thing anymore is because Jesus has already come and fulfilled it. There's no need for circumcision anymore because the sign was pointing forward to this moment in time that Jesus fulfills, and so now there's no longer a need for the sign. And plus, besides that, it was purely for an idea as a sign, the sign that you are God's people, but, but it's not that you're accepted by the law. And, he's, and Paul gets at this point of, hey, if you're going to try and follow this part in order to be accepted, you're going to have to fulfill all of it. You're under obligation to the whole law. Which again, if you're familiar with the gospel, this seems kind of weird that he's saying this because it seems to be implying, well, if I keep the whole law, then won't Jesus accept me? Won't God accept me? Well, there's an issue with that too because James chapter two says this. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he has become guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not commit murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but do commit murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. The, the picture I've always had in my mind of that, that scripture is actually like a two by four. You get like a long two by four and then like set it between two things and you take like a Sharpie or something and you draw a line on it. And every time you draw a line, you draw another law. Like you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not fashion an idol. You shall not bear false witness. You shall love the Lord your God. You shall like, there, there's ones like circumcision and there's keeping the Sabbath and there's all these laws, right? And on every little line, there's a law. And, and the point is, is, well, I might keep this one and I might not break the law right here at this line and at this point. But if I break that two by four here, it doesn't matter that I didn't break it here. The, the two by four is broken. It, it doesn't matter where you've broken it. It doesn't matter where I've broken it. If we've broken it, it's broken. That, that's the point. And, and here's the piece about the gospel is that we, we've all sinned. We've all broken the law. We all have an absolute need for the gospel. So even if there was a way that to be accepted, you have to keep the whole law. We've already broken it, and there's no way now. It's already done. And so we need something else. We need Jesus to enter in and, and to do the work for us. And this is the point of all of the series, is that it has to be founded on Jesus and absolutely nothing else. Jesus and nothing else. We cannot add anything to it. It has to be a belief in that Jesus and his work, otherwise we lose everything. 
And Paul says we lose everything. Verse 4, you have been severed from Christ. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you have fallen from grace. You who are seeking to be justified by the law, trying to be accepted by what you do. Now, many of us would never actually like affirm this with our mouths. Like there's a lot of things that we would like never actually say out loud. And if you're a believer, like you would affirm, yes, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, and affirm that. But how often in the way that we live and in like the beliefs that we have in our heart, are we acting in a way and, and believing, even if we never say it, that, yeah, no, I, I got to do this to make God happy. This is what Paul is refuting. He's saying like, no, this can't be it. He says you've fallen from grace if you were living like that. Or put it like this. When you depend on your works for acceptance, you reject the work of Christ. Man, when we depend on our works, the things that we do for acceptance, for justification, to be made right with God, we reject the work of Christ because this is what Christ did. He came to be one of us. He lived the perfect life we couldn't live. He was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. And when he went to that cross, he had the flesh ripped out of his back. He had a crown of thorns pierced into his head that I deserved. He had nails through his hands and nails through his feet and a spear through his side. And you know what he says? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And he thinks about a guy like me and all my sins and all my issues and my sin put him on that cross. And he says, Father, forgive Scott Bean. And when I try in my heart to work for God's acceptance, I'm basically saying, Jesus, your cross is worthless. It's worthless. And we nullify the cross. Man, this is a big deal that we, that we need to address in our lives. That, that we, we tend towards this thing of, but I can do. I got to pull up myself by my bootstraps. I can, I can make it happen. But no, we can't make it happen. And four chapters of this leading into chapter five, we've just been seeing over and over and over and over again. We can't do it. And if we do, we ruin everything. But but we get introduced into something. Uh, I, I'm not like on any social media things, like regular social media, like Instagram, the Facebook stuff, all of that. I do have a YouTube like problem, like an actual legit, like, anybody got like a YouTube problem? Uh, I, I like maker videos, like, and specifically woodworking videos. There's this one woodworker, he's actually from Albany, He's pretty funny too. A couple years ago, he made this like tips and tricks video. There's like 10 tips and tricks. And actually they're all like nonsense, like just a joke. Actually there's one that's like about sharpening your table saw that's real. But in one of them, he's like holding a chisel and he's like, people are always dropping stuff in the wood shop. Don't do that. <laughs> just stop. As though that's the fix. And then like he drops the chisel later or something. But if we stopped right here in Galatians, that's kind of what it would be like. Is that Paul's just saying, hey, there's this crumbling foundation that, that you're trying to build with your works and it's not gonna work. You can't do that. Just stop. But how many times in our lives is there a habit that we have, a thing that we go back to that we want to stop and someone just telling you, hey, that's not good for you. Just stop. Does it actually effective? It's not. 
Saying just stop doesn't work. And so we need something else at this point. We need to be walked into something else. And this is where Galatians chapter 5, verse 5 picks up. For we, through the Spirit, by faith, are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Do you see this? Do you see the two means that, it, that is given to us on, on, on how this happens and where this shift starts to happen? How we actually live putting aside the crumbling foundation, stop that, is by faith through the Spirit. That we would have a foundation that is created by faith, that, that Jesus created the foundation. He said he is the stone that can never be shaken. He is the foundation that will never crumble. And it's only that if we are on that foundation that we will actually receive the grace that he is giving us. That we have to be founded upon him in faith, believing, Jesus, I know what you did. I know the work that you did on that cross. I know it's only by what you did that I can be saved and not by any work that I have done, but on this foundation, I will base my entire life, and I will be found here. And not just to be found there and justified, but also to be sanctified. This process of becoming more and more like Jesus is still the work of God. The process of becoming more and more like Jesus is not something that, that happens with just us, that, that, all right, Jesus saves us, and then we change ourselves. No, that whole process is the work of the Spirit, too. That's why we need the Spirit and faith. And, and what happens is the Spirit kind of places us where he has us on that foundation, he starts to build a house with us because that's what the church is. The church is the body of believers. The church is the temple. The church is not this building, but it's all those who believe and confess and have faith in Jesus Christ for salvation above everything else. Here's the way First Peter puts it. And coming to him as to a living stone, which has been rejected by men, but is choice and precious in the sight of God, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Man, Jesus is building this church. And the Spirit is placing us, those stones, together to, to display his glory to the world. Man, this is such a beautiful thing. This is such a beautiful thing. And he is calling people from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. There is no one that is excluded. There is no one that's excluded. And we see it from Galatians chapter 5, verse 6 that we already read. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. The circumcised represents the Jews because that was the people through whom the Savior would come. But the promise to Abraham came like this. And he said, I will bless all the nations of the earth through you. All of them. So it doesn't matter whether it's Jew or Gentile. It doesn't matter what race or gender or nation or heritage anyone comes from. Jesus is sufficient for all. And you know what? On that final day, on that final day when we stand with Jesus, it's going to be the most diverse population that you've ever seen gathered together, worshiping with one voice and one cry for our God, and it's going to be the best thing ever. Man, it's going to be absolutely beautiful. 
And you know, it's because of this that we actually get a new sign. Circumcision is no longer the sign because it's not about bloodlines. It's not about heritage. It's not about that. It's about faith in Jesus Christ. And this is why we baptize people. Because baptism is a declaration of faith saying, yes, I've put myself on that foundation that Jesus has saved me. Only him, he can do it. And I have died to sin and I'm alive with Christ and alive in the spirit and walking with him. And that faith is going to move in us. And it's going to change us. And God's going to change us through it. Because it's faith working through love, is what it says in verse 6. It's not circumcision or uncircumcision, but faith working through love. And this love is absolutely essential. Here's a really hard statement, because we talk about that it's by faith alone, and that's true. But if faith is not coupled with love, there's a problem. Actually, so much so of a problem that faith can be worthless. If you've been a believer for a while, that, that might be a hard thing to think about, but, but look, look at this text from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and here it is, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. I mean, Jesus said, if you have faith like a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thrown into the sea. And what it says here is, even if you have that kind of faith and there's no love, it's worthless. Worth nothing. Man, faith alone Without love can be worthless, but faith working through love is everything. Because, because here's what faith does. When, when we put our faith in Jesus, we, we get this new name. We, we're called Christians. You know what Christian is? It's little Christ. That every day we would look more and more like him. That we, we would reflect who he is to the world. And you know who our God is? Our God is the God that says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That kind of God, a God of love. Or Romans 5, 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if you walk with Jesus in faith, love will accompany it. Faith working through love. Because this is the God that we serve and this is the God who is making us to be a little bit more like him and reflect who he is. And th th this is his desire for his church is that we would reflect this all over the world. That, that we would reflect this and, and show his glory and his gospel and that we would be changed by it. That we would actually walk in this freedom that we have that it's not by any works that we do because we will fail at them. And no matter how hard we try, we can never be accepted by that. We have to put that aside and walk this really narrow road because there is a very narrow road to walk in this, not veering from right to left. I remember when I was a kid, 
We grew up on like a little bit less than an acre of land out in Damascus, and it was like a long rectangular lot. And it was mostly open, but all along one side, there was trees spanning from front to back. And, you know, me and my brother and all our friends, we had these crazy ideas like, hey, what if you could get up into a tree and then traverse all the way to the back without ever touching the ground? So you get a long two by four, and you climb up the first tree, and you're like hoisting the thing up as you go. And then you're like trying to lay the two by four from branch to branch. You're like 15, 20 feet up enough that that it would like seriously injure you if you fell. And, and then you, you, you know, you balance across. Not veering to the right or to the left, otherwise tragedy happens, right? Right, this is the same analogy Jason gave with the bridge of a few weeks ago or last week with the car that we veer one side of the, to the next. And this is what, exactly what Paul addresses in verse 13. For you are called to freedom, brethren, only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity to the flesh. Man, when we're freed by Christ, we rejoice. We say, yes, I'm not under the yoke of the slavery. I'm not under the yoke of the law. It's not bending my back. I'm here by grace. And what we cannot do is go to the other side and say, I'm by, it's by grace so I can just sin all I want. No, we make a mockery of his cross when we do that. We make a mockery of his cross. And what we do is, when we do that, we end up not actually living in love that he has for us. The beautiful, wonderful life reflecting his love. Man, you were called to freedom. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but instead do this. Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Man, this is what we're called to. This is what we're called to. But he contrasts this with another verse, verse 15. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You see that contrast? It was actually this last Thursday uh, we, we host a group at our house every other Thursday, and I took the day off, and I was at home cleaning. I am terrible at cleaning. I cannot stay focused because I hate it, right? Uh, and so what I need is I need, like, a little bit of help, and so I, like, I blast some music, like the little Bluetooth speaker, and I'm, like, blasting Irish punk because that's what I do. Like, that's the kind of music that gets me rolling. And there's this one point where, like, all my Irish punk's going, and I, like, have to go down the stairs, and that's upstairs. And, but my wife's working out in the garage, and she needs some music to pump her up and like the doors open and there's some like weird sort of pop music on. I, I don't know. It, it's something I'll never listen to. And, but it, it was weird because I'm in this point where I can hear the music on both sides. So you got like Irish punk and like pop music over here. And like the difference was staggering, right? Like, sta- like you just feel it. Once they're put up next to each other, you just feel how different they are. And this is what Paul tries to do in this verse is get us to see like how different it is when you, when you actually love your neighbor as yourself and what that looks like versus when we bite and devour one another. Or take this picture. Have you ever heard of what happened in the early church and the way that they loved and cared for one another? Man, they, they really cared for one another. They were like selling their houses and their possessions just to provide for each other. And there's points where like some people are getting overlooked and so someone speaks up and says, hey, we gotta take care of them too. 
Man, they were sacrificing things because they believed that Jesus had something better and they were willing to give it up in order to love other people. Man, that's a beautiful picture that we see. And just think about that and contrast it with like American politics today. Right, I don't care what side you're on, but people just devour each other in that. That is such a different picture. Jesus is calling us to the other picture. And it may not be, I don't think, sometimes we try and want to recreate what the early church did in the methods. And I don't think that's the answer. I don't think we have to do that. We're in a different culture in a different time. But, but there's some fundamentals in there. They were willing to sacrifice some of their own desires and needs for others. That's the kind of love that Jesus loved us with. That's the kind of love that we as the church should have. And it's through that it's going to display his glory and his love to the world. Jesus himself puts it like this in John chapter 13. He's teaching his disciples as he's about to go to his death. And he says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Can we just say that is a high call? Impossible, except for by his power. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this is how the world knows. This is how the gospel is displayed is that the church would actually take care of its members and love each other. And we're gonna screw it up. And that's why Paul says, take care that you are not, like if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. You know why? We are fallen, messed up people and we are gonna bite at each other sometimes. And what we need to do is repent and say, God, I messed up. Say to our friend, we messed up. You're going to get hurt sometimes, but let's take care that we don't devour one another and destroy one another. But if we live trying to depend on the things that we do, we're going to end up falling into this. We're going to end up falling into this because here's what's happened. Pride enters in. Our own pride enters in when we're basing our lives on the things that we can do for acceptance. If you try to be accepted by the law, you will end up judging and berating and devouring the people that you think aren't doing as good a job as you. Or maybe the flip side of that, you will be envious and bitter towards those people that seem like they have it all together and you just can't seem to get it right. Man, this is not what God has called us to. He calls us to, to lay aside trying to be accepted by works of the law and not just, just stop that, but to walk in faith every day. Looking to him, Jesus, you did it and I'm founded on you. Spirit, I need you to work in my life. I need to walk by you. If we realize that we are in desperate need of a savior, desperate need of a savior every moment and that everybody else around us is too man that that gives us the freedom to love people in the way that jesus loved it empowers us to to actually have the faith to say no i can sacrifice i can sacrifice this thing that i want my time whatever because i know it's worth it i know that this is what Jesus has in mind, and it will bring joy eternal. I mean, if we could live like that, freed from the law, and everything would change.
And this, this church, Christ's church, is being built into a living house, built on the foundation of Jesus. Would we press into that? And let's remember that if you're in Christ, if Jesus is your Savior, you are freed from the law, and you are freed to love like Christ. Man, that's what's true of us. We are freed from the law to love like Christ. And let's walk in faith every single day. And let's walk by the power of the Spirit. And if you want to know what that looks like, man, that's what we're going to deep dive into next week, is what is it to walk by the power of the Spirit? Let's pray. Father, you are so good. Jesus, you went to that cross so that we could be forgiven. God, I pray that you would help us to see that every time we try and be accepted by our works, that we nullify the cross and that we would return in repentance to being founded on Jesus and Jesus alone in his work. God, I pray that you would walk with us, that you would give us faith to persevere, that we would walk in love, and that, that would be the fruit of what happens. That as we love one another and sacrifice for one another, that we become a little bit more like you, that your love would be declared to the world around us. God, we pray this in Jesus' name and his blood poured out for us on that cross. Amen.